first thing is just to recognize that, hey, this has been hard and it's okay if you don't have everything figured out. That, that's been one of the most frustrating things for me is because I try to learn as much as I can. I like to try and stay ahead of things and make sure that I'm approaching things with intentionality and with, with a, a strategy. Learn from people who have gone before me, but guess what? There have not been anybody who is alive right now who led through the last global pandemic. And so there's, there's no great manual for it. Welcome to the Preaching Donkey Podcast, a weekly show where we explore how to preach life-changing messages. I'm your host, Lane Sebring, and I'm so excited to bring you inspiring and helpful conversations with amazing pastors and church leaders, all designed to help you take your preaching and leadership to the next level. And now, let's dive right in. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the first episode of the Preaching Donkey podcast. I am so excited to get this kicked off today. Thank you for joining us, whether you're watching on YouTube or you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google or wherever you're listening. So, so happy to be doing this. Just a little bit of history. We did the Preaching Donkey podcast. We did about 57 episodes in another time and another day. And I never did any guest interviews, and I really wanted to relaunch the whole podcast, start completely over. A lot of people who knew us back in those days and were familiar with Preaching Donkey back in those days have been asking over the last couple of years, what happened to the podcast? When is it coming back? Well, it's back, and it's going to be a totally new format. It's going to be mostly interviews. So starting today, we have an awesome interview coming up. You heard just a bit of it just a second ago with Brandon Kelly. He is the founder of Rookie Preacher. I'll talk more about him just in a few minutes, but we got an interview with him. We're going to do an interview almost every week, except the last week of the month, I'll be doing a solo show just with me where I'll go really deep on a topic. And then anytime there is a fifth week, a fifth Thursday, which is the day this these episodes are going to come out, I'll be doing a Q&A. So if you are just stumbling onto the Preaching Donkey podcast, I want to just give you a, just a quick overview of who I am, where I came from. So my name is Lane. I'm the host. I started Preaching Donkey back in 2014, really out of a desire to learn and grow myself as a young preacher, a young minister, trying to get better at communicating the Word of God and preaching and teaching. And I started blogging about the things that I was discovering and learning about communication and how to preach. I majored in communication in college, and then I went to seminary, and I learned how to bore everyone with the Bible. (laughs) That's usually how I put it. And what I mean by that is the way we were taught to preach in seminary was often, not always, but at least the way I was taught, was so stilted and so technical that it would make our seminary professors proud, but it actually fell flat with real, actual people. And so I started Preaching Donkey as a way to kind of say, is there an answer to that? Like, can we be both really effective communicators and at the same time, really true to the text and biblical and gospel-centered and Christ-centered in our preaching? And so I'm not saying we get it right all the time. I'm just saying that Preaching Donkey has grown from that passion And it's turned into a group of what at this point is thousands of pastors who follow what we do, who have either read one of our books or have taken the course, Killer Sermons Academy. And so I'm so excited to be jumping into this because we're going to be bringing on 
pastors from all over the country and potentially all over the world. Some of these pastors are going to be really big names that you're going to know, kind of household names in this, um, you know, in this niche. And others are going to be people who you may not know, but we're going to learn from everybody and be able to derive some principles and best practices for preaching. And so I thought, let's get together. You know, there's so many podcasts that are about leadership, about church leadership, and we're going to touch on that. It's kind of hard not to when you're talking about preaching, but there's not a whole lot, at least I didn't find, on that are just focused almost entirely on preaching, preaching techniques, preaching skills, best practices and principles to communicate timeless truths in a timely way. And so I'm so, so excited about what's coming. So um, what we're going to do is every time we're going to have a guest, just about, like I said, and then we're going to do some other things and try to have a good time. So if you're listening on Google Podcast or Apple Podcast, please leave a review. That would be the one thing I would ask of you if you're just getting started with this podcast, just joining us. Definitely go on there, especially if you're a fan of what we do, if you if you appreciate Preaching Donkey at all. I really want to get this podcast off the ground, and the best way for us to be able to do that is if you leave a five-star rating and a review and then share this episode with somebody that you know. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button, leave a comment below. That really, really helps to uh, to get this out to more people and to grow uh, the podcast. So very excited. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I want to share with you something that happened. Um, there's a book that I wrote, the very first book that I wrote, was called Preaching Killer Sermons. Wrote it back in 2016. Had no idea the impact it would make. It went on to be a number one bestseller in its category on Amazon. And there was a guy, his name is Anglican Guy on Instagram. And he took a picture of the book. Here's the picture right there. You can see it if you're watching on YouTube. If you're not, you can just go to Anglican Guy on Instagram. And I love his caption. Here's what he said. He said, Preaching Killer Sermons by Atlane Sebring is a resource I was very lucky to stumble across. Really practical, realistic, down-to-earth approach and highly flexible techniques for preaching the word. We'll definitely be reaching for this time and time again. Also made me realize I could probably do with hitting the gym too. Um, in In the book, I talk a little bit about physical fitness. And then he gives a quote from the book, God... Give me a holy confidence in you today. Give me boldness to proclaim your truth. I talk in the book at the end of it about how sometimes we can lean towards pride in our preaching, and that's not good. And sometimes we can lean towards fear in our uh, preaching, and that's not good either. Um, and really in our ministry, in our life, we can lean towards pride or fear. So if we're leaning towards pride in our preaching, it's all about us, right? It's all about how we look. We want to get better because we want people to be impressed with us. And with pride comes a lot of insecurity because if we don't hit the mark like we think we're supposed to, we often feel like people are going to uh, judge us for it or we're, we're not going to have the influence we want or we're not going to matter to people. And that's really based in pride and insecurity. And on the other side, there's fear. Okay, what are these people going to think of me? And what if, what if I say the wrong thing? Or what if I say something that's true, but it's offensive, which is very common, especially these days, right? And so there's a tendency to lean towards one or the other, fear or pride. And so in the book, I talk about having Godfidence. Um, it's not confidence. It's not like we're trying to not be prideful and not be fearful and just be confident. It's Godfidence. And what Godfidence is, is a, is a genuine belief that God has called me to this, that God has equipped me for this. And because of that, 
I'm ready and I can handle anything that's coming my way. And so uh, that's just an excerpt from the book. And I really appreciate Anglican Guy and what he said about it. You can check that out on Amazon at, uh, it's called Preaching Killer Sermons, How to Create and Deliver Messages that Captivate and inspire. I also just want to give you something for listening today or watching on YouTube. If you go to if you go to preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days, you can pick up my free 21 day guide to creating killer sermons. It is free and it is a three week, three step process that helps you kind of think through how to create a message and how to deliver a message, maybe in a new way, whether you're new to preaching or you've been preaching for a long time, there'll be something in there for you. All right, so let's go ahead and get get started for today and get I'm going to queue up the interview. I sat down and I talked to Brandon Kelly. Brandon is a pastor, he's a lead pastor at a church in uh, Indiana. And he also is the creator of rookiepreacher.com. We have a pretty good relationship. I started preaching donkey, I think about a year later he started uh, rookiepreacher.com, and we just hit it off. We had a mutual uh, love for helping preachers communicate better. We had a lot of things in common, a lot of the same ideas and the same ideals. Um, he ended up writing a book uh, called Preaching Sticky Sermons, and so definitely go check that out at Amazon. That'll be a really good book for you to pick up, and he created a course called Sticky Sermons Academy, which I'm a contributor on, and he's just he's done a lot for preachers and leaders and he's in the trenches, and in this interview, he's going to get very honest and open about some of the struggles that he's had this year in 2020 with just dealing with the pandemic and everything that goes with that and all the struggles that every pastor and every leader has had to navigate through as none of us have ever led through a global global pandemic before. He's also going to talk a little bit about sermon prep, how to get people to understand the importance of the text, and particularly how to distinguish the text so, so that people know that it's about them. And so this interview is packed with helpful insights and value and just practical how-tos, but also just the heart of a pastor that I think will really encourage you. So let's check it out, and I'll see you on the other side of the interview. Brandon Kelly, it's so awesome to have you on the show. Thanks for being here, man. Absolutely. Really excited. You know, I, I can't wait to get into everything that we're going to get into today. And I talked a little bit when I was introducing you about who you are and how we met. But can you talk a little bit about who you are and what got you to where you are as the lead pastor of a church? Yeah. So, uh, I didn't grow up in church at all. And so growing up, I the most I went to a church was to play basketball because that's where my friends, that was like the best court in town. So that's what we did. Uh, I guess it was during youth group. We never heard anything about Jesus. And I don't know that I would have been receptive to it. Maybe we did. I just didn't remember it. Um, but some things happened in my life, uh, family struggles. And uh, I found myself at a place where I seemed to be open. You know, I didn't have, I realized I didn't have life figured out and I was spending some time with some Christians like really for the first time in my life. And I just saw that they had a, a different life, a different, a different way of being. They seemed to have peace and I really never seen that before. And so that really prompted myself and my uh, now wife, then girlfriend, um, high school sweetheart to start uh, pursuing God and 
I asked uh, friends of ours if I could go to church with them. Um, still haven't had anybody ask me that. Uh, but, um, I, that just kind of started the journey of, of seeking God. And about uh, a year into that or so, really, it was on a, a Super Bowl Sunday um, in 2011. Uh, remember the day like it was yesterday. I don't know what happened at church, uh, at the church service, but uh, my wife and I left that day um, really convicted. We had been married and all that, and uh, it was 10 months into our marriage, and we really felt like God was calling us into into vocational ministry. And um, we we talked to one of the pastors there, and uh, he, he recommended Bible college, and so we packed up and quit our full-time jobs and uh, went to move to Cincinnati uh, to to pursue that. Started learning uh, in you know a Bible college context, and then about two months in, started the part time youth ministry. Uh, so that I was able to get some you know experience while I was getting the the, the nuts and bolts of theology. And um, ever since then, we uh, we we stayed in Cincinnati for about seven years. I uh, was able to um, get on with a, a church plant in on the east side of Cincinnati and be a part of just an amazing journey of God, like growing that church from uh, 220 or so to 800 over the time we were there. Um, I went from being the youth pastor and really didn't sense that that was like the ultimate calling that God had uh, on on our lives, but we did that faithfully and then ended up moving into an associate teaching role. And then um, just in 2018, really since God uh, calling us um, to take that step that I really had clarity on. Um, and that was to be a lead pastor. Just didn't know when that was going to be. And so we um, started pursuing what God would want uh, in that. And uh, we ended up uh, here in Bluffton, Indiana, which is Northeast Indiana, which uh, is about 20, 30 minutes away from where I grew up. And never really at all saw myself going back to Northeast Indiana at all. Um, that was probably, if I could have told you one place we would never go back to, it would have been there um, or here. And uh, here we are. So two years uh, into this, um, you know, it's a, it's a almost, it's a 99-year-old church. Um, and we've um, been kind of in many ways a revitalization, uh, rebuilding some some of those basic structures inside of the church and um, you know, it's been a wild ride in the last two years, just like it has been uh, for all pastors uh, in, in ministry right now, especially with what we're going through right now. But that's kind of the, the short and skinny version of it. Um, yeah, didn't grow up in church. And now here I find myself as a lead pastor and, uh, you know, going back and playing some hockey with some guys I uh, grew up with uh, playing hockey with just recently. Uh, it was funny because, you know, we hadn't talked for quite a while. And uh, he, he looked at me, he's like, okay, dude, I got to ask. Like everyone had left the, the locker room after the, after the end of the game. And um, he's like, I got to ask you, pastor, what? Like, what, <laughs> like, what happened to you? I, I know you, like I knew you were. Uh, and, you know, it's like one of those things where you can, when, when you're reminded of how, how much God has changed in your life, um, it's, it's kind of a humbling and funny thing to, to see all that kind of come about and just be reminded of, you know, God's faithfulness and, uh, his power and, and just the fact that I've just been on a ride and, uh, been trying to hang on tight and, you know, follow him wherever he goes. And there's failures, there's, there's victories and all that. And 
yeah, so it's been a whirlwind uh, of of the last 10 years. Um, really been a, a follower of Jesus for about 10 years, and he's he's done some crazy stuff so far. So, yeah, that's well, me. I love I love hearing about that. And, you know, what's interesting is your perspective, and I was, it's funny because when you were talking about how you, you became a Christian later in life, which I knew that about you, but I've never thought to ask this, and, and then you brought it up with your friends, but where a lot of pastors probably grew up going to church, not all, but a lot, grew up going to church. And then the calling came sometime, you know, maybe high school or college, and they decided to go into ministry. But not having that perspective, not growing up in church, do you think that your preaching uh, and your leadership is more geared towards outsiders because you not too long ago was an unbeliever? Or is it geared towards Christians? Or do you have to be just as intentional about that as someone who grew up in church? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I think there's a uniqueness that I, like my, my story will connect with those who, who have that similar of a story. Um, and, and so I think that gives me some, some benefits when I'm speaking to those who maybe me 10 years ago, or, uh, maybe kind of not really sure what they believe. I think that that does connect better. Um, and when I'm just having conversations with people, uh, it, it's, it's been cool to see people either who I grew up with who are friends or family members like re-engage their faith or engage their faith for the first time. Um, and I think kind of our testimony in our life has helped with that. Um, but, you know, just like anybody else, as you are in a, a context longer, you know, in a culture longer, it, it becomes easier to forget what you used to be. And so I think that's why in scripture, like Paul reminds us to, to have, like to not forget where we came from. Um, because even if someone grew up in the church, there's been times of struggle, right? Um, where, where maybe we didn't always uh, take, the, take the right steps and, and follow him faithfully. But I'd say to answer your question, really, it's, it's still a thing where I need to always keep in mind um, the, the both and. If I were to trend one way, I'd say like in the decisions I make and in the leadership kind of direction I go, it, it is much more in a heart toward, hey, we need to be making sure that our services, that the way we speak, the way I preach is, is in the vein of making sure that the, the first timer, the newcomer, the person who doesn't know anything doesn't feel um, like they have to take a prerequisite in Old Testament history before they understand what I'm saying. Like, I'm never going to say, and we all know the story of Habakkuk, you know, and like take that for granted. Um, because I was that, that Bible college student in Old Testament history class, and my professor would be like, and we all know about this. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, actually, I don't. Like, I have no idea what you're talking about because the <laughs> church I was at only preached in the New Testament. I have no idea. <laughs> And so uh, I'd say uh, my preaching leadership, it, it does trend, tend, kind of trend that direction. But um, just like everyone else, I've got to always remind myself um, to, to, not, to not miss that. So it's still, it's still a battle, but I think there, there are some inherent kind of benefits to, to the story that I, that I live. But I'm always reminding like Christians and lifelong people who have been in church their whole life, whether they follow Jesus all the way or not. Like I'm always reminding people like, Hey, just so you know, if your story is you grew up in church and, um, you know, you, you may have strayed away a few times or whatever, but 
like you grew up in a home where your parents loved Jesus and loved you and tried to tell, tell you about that and disciple you, like, um, don't be ashamed of that. Cause that's what I kind of in, encountered sometimes in Christian culture where like people like lift up a story like mine and diminish the story of kind of lifelong faithfulness. And I'm saying to our people, I remind this of them all the time, like your story is what I want my kid's story to be. You know, like I'm raising four kids and uh, I don't have a framework for what a Christian home is supposed to look like. So I'm just like making this up as I go. But my hope and prayer is that their story is what your story is growing up in church, uh, you know, finding that faith for themselves and, and moving forward. So I, I'm trying to make sure that the church people are cognizant of uh, people who don't know anything or, or you know, they're gracious with them uh, and they're focused on reaching them. But also the, the people who are just learning things, I want them to, to engage in their faith right away. And some of those, those moments are like the most, like the best when you, when you, when you have someone who's new and they're just like, they're hungry, they want to learn. And, uh, you know, they surrender to Christ. You get to go into the waters of baptism. They come up and, and then they're serving the ministry the next week and they're, they're just diving in. They're in a community group, all those things. And you can just see, uh, just light bulbs start to go on. And, and it's, that, that does get me super excited. So that's a long answer to your simple question, but yeah. No, I mean, that, that's, that's kind of what I figured. It's just really cool to hear that perspective because I think obviously our listeners are going to be all over the place. Some are going to have grown up in church and others are going to have the experience like you have. And I think it's important what you said, everybody's story is a story that matters because if God changed a life, then he changed a life. I want to switch gears to preparation. It's interesting you talked about never assuming, never saying, hey, we all remember what uh, happened in Habakkuk because not everybody did. So when you are presenting a text, um, whether it's Habakkuk, Old Testament, New Testament, what are some things that you want to do in your preparation and in your delivery to that text as you present it to make sure that that kind of thing doesn't happen? Um, Context is always super important. Uh, when When I'm studying a passage, I want to Uh, be able to approach it in a way where by the time in the sermon, so I'm always doing prep work with, with the sermon in mind, like, you know, I want to read it. I want to see what it says. But then as soon as I'm trying to like really understand saying, I'm taking my eyes and my mind uh, to the place where, okay, how do I get people to the place where they're ready to hear this and receive it? And so what that usually means for me is I'm looking at an angle of entry um, where we can approach the text. So where I'm not going to ever say like, all right, good morning, everyone. Now turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter three uh, and let's start reading. Like, I'm not going to do that because I feel like that's expecting people to get onto the train and they don't even know when it leaves and that it's already leaving when they, before or, they or where it's station. going or anything. Right. Right. Yeah. They have no idea. They're like, I don't even know if I want to get on this ride. Uh, what, what, where, what, where am I going? So I want to give them, a situation contextually, you know, for them to, to think about the text going into it. But then I also want to lay some groundwork to the context of, of, of the passage. Like one of my most helpful classes, I think in Bible college was just being able to just see the story that's behind the story or, or seeing the, the situation behind the situation. So I want to bring that out. I don't want to do it in a, a boring way. Um, but, especially with their, when, they're, when you're talking about a passage that actually has 
like you need to know this uh, in order to understand it. Uh, I want to bring that out either after I start reading it or before we even get into it. So I'm always thinking about how can we help people um, get on the journey. And, and, and like you said, like they, they kind of have an idea of where we're going or they're at least engaged enough to care. Um, and so I'm always looking at an angle of entry, both con- like contextually for us here today and for them back then, whenever, you know, whether you're talking about New Testament, Old Testament, um, their, their culture. Yeah, that's, that's really good. I think that I, I like angle of entry. I don't think I've ever heard it put that way before, uh, but I really like that because I think about, you know, at the beginning of the message, there's got to be some tension, right? We've talked about that mm-hmm. before. I know you're really big on that over at, at Rookie Preacher. And I feel like what you talked about, about, hey, everybody turn to Romans 3, just pokes a hole into any tension that may have been, <laughs> you could have done. Right. Um, and so that's really good. So I, I want to ask you about this because I've heard you talk before about the five things that you do with the text before uh, or while you're preparing and, and how it shows up in your teaching. So what are those five things and what's important about them? Yeah, the first three are really, you know, common among people who do what we do and, and people who, th- you know, think about preaching normally. It's to teach it, to illustrate it, and to apply it. Those are the the three kind of main buckets that we would typically think about. So every every passage that I'm going to preach, every set of verses that I'm going to preach through, um, I'm going to have a little worksheet where I'm going to say, okay, where, how am I going to teach this? How am I going to illustrate it? And how am I, how am I going to apply it? So every, um, every kind of point I bring out or teaching thing I bring out, I'm going to try to, uh, the best of my ability, teach that faithfully to what God's word says, what it meant for them originally and what it, uh, what, what we need to understand in order to understand it for today to illustrate it, to give them a frame of reference so that they can see it and not just, uh, you know, hear it in, in a, you know, wooden way, but to actually see it vividly and then to apply it. Okay. This is how it applies for me in my life. This is kind of the, the, the bearing it has on my life. This is where this kind of intersects with the 21st century, um, this text that, you know, was in the first century. And then the, the two things that I think are a little bit unique that I try to do is, uh, the fourth thing is distinguish it. Um, and the fifth thing is portableize it. And so let me go back to distinguish. So distinguish, it's really a, is a method of teaching and it could be a method of illustrating or it can be a method of applying. But really what I'm getting at is that contrast always helps when we're teaching. And it's a really good pastoral thing when we decide to distinguish, when we're being specific with the application and the, and the uh, idea that the text is bringing out if we are specific, then that's going to come with it some inherent distinguishing marks, right? Like, so if, if we're teaching on a topic that, that maybe some people have uh, a preconceived idea that's wrong, then not because we're trying to pick on them, but because we want to help people synthesize the text with their life, we're, we're trying to distinguish it. So, and, and you may have heard it said this way, right? Jesus did this. You may have heard it said this way. Well, this is what I say. It's, it's saying, well, we as a culture operate in this manner. And actually, if you look at what this text is saying, it's saying that that's wrong or that's, that's 
that's not even close to it. Or maybe that's kind of close, but it's, it misses the mark. And so we're distinguishing it. And so that people can, can see that the text actually does have relevance to their life. And maybe there's some like barriers that they need to break down in their own either belief system, their way of living, their, their mindset toward a certain set of individuals. So like when you, uh, when we, when we teach on Jesus's teaching of love your enemy, right? Like, well, okay, that, that's, that's good and that's hard, but distinguishing it brings about, well, hey, you know, when you are uh, in, a, in the middle of a political season and you see someone uh, have a sign in their yard and um, you, you, you get those things inside of you uh, that are really frustrating and, and you kind of have that boil up, uh, you know, that tendency to justify your anger at them as a person um, and because it's, you know, partisan focused and, and you probably are surrounded by some people who say that that's okay. Uh, Jesus would actually say that that's wrong. Um, and so we contextualize it, but then we also make the point to distinguish it. Um, because if we never identify, um, it's kind of like a prophetic way of preaching in some ways. Um, if we never identify the cultural um, beliefs, the cultural kind of influences that they have, that it has on our people, we won't be able to faithfully preach because, I mean, that's what scripture is, right? Like Paul, when he's writing letters to the churches, he's identifying things in their, in their, in their lives and their, in their community that are wrong. And he's saying, Hey, because I love you and because of God's grace, this is the way you ought to go. This is the better way. Um, and so I'm just trying to do that in my preaching where we're distinguishing it against some of the cultural lies or the, the cultural ideas that, that may come against uh, what, what Jesus would say. And it's not because our people are trying to be uh, unfaithful. Um, it's just, we are always being discipled by something. And, you know, whether it's a, a radio station, whether it's uh, a news station, whether it's movies or television or podcasts or whatever, there are things that are always discipling us. And a lot of times, you know, when we uh, operate in life, I think there's, there's this tendency where we, we have so much available to us and some of it is stuff that's important but sometimes we, we take all the noise that we're receiving and that in inherently disciples us sometimes in a way that goes against what Jesus would want for us. And so I'm just trying to distinguish that, like pastorally lead our people, especially right now through a very divisive year. Um, so distinguish. And then the fifth thing is portableize it, um, where I, I want to take the truth of the text and make it memorable. And so it's just my, my spin on the idea of a bottom line uh, where we're either going to say it in a, in a memorable way using, you know, either we're going to rhyme it or we're going to uh, create some kind of uh, contrasting statement, um, make basically one statement that captures the truth of the text and uh, its bearing on our lives. Um, so, you, you know, you are, you are of infinite worth to the infinite God. Uh, something like that where, you know, it, it's got uh, an echo and it's something that you can take with you um, and, and and go forward and, and remember it. And so those are the things. Oh, I love it. I love it. I, and, you know, the teach, illustrate, and apply, you're right. I mean, th those are those are tried and true. 
I really love Distinguish. And I think the reason why I like it, given what you just how you described it, is so often when we preach, people don't think we're talking about them, right? Exactly. Oh, I <laughs> wish I wish Susie would would hear this. Yeah. Like Aunt Aunt Joy, like she needs to hear this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or e- even if even if like it's either Aunt Joy and, and Susie need to be here, or you're just talking because you love to hear yourself talk. None of this matters anyway, right? Right. Um, yeah. We're just sitting here until lunchtime. And when you distinguish it and really draw that, that parallel to real life, I think it's just another way that we can continually reinforce that this is not theory. This isn't, this isn't like church theory 101. This is life. This is what it means to follow Jesus. So that's, that's awesome. That's really yeah, awesome. and we can take theology and and it, it can be practical. It should be practical because uh, it should have a bearing on our lives. And, you know, as pastors, we have to sometimes do the hard thing, not because we are belligerent or we want to be mean, but because we want to lovingly lead people, we have to say, hey, um, this is a tendency I've seen in us and it's and partly because I've seen it in me. And so when I read this text, that's coming against me. So like, it's just another way of saying, of, of applying something and utilizing tension because tension is when we, when we say, Hey, this is, this is an ideal way. This is what we want. And yet this is our struggle with it. Tension just brings about the struggle of life. Right. And Tension is also relevant in our application of the text because when we see a text and we, we understand it and this is what Jesus is saying to us, this is what God's word is saying to us, um, even though it's true, <laughs> even though it's what God's word says, there is still going to be in us, in, in us as pastors and in our people, a tendency to want to argue with God and uh, be like, well... <sighs> Yeah, that's true, but right, it's the yeah, but moment. And when we take it, take it and, and intentionally distinguish it, we're just acknowledging that there's tension in, in what God wants and what we typically live. And we're saying, hey, th- there's a better way. And the way some of us have been going is, is probably not best for us. And God wants the best for us. And that's why he gave himself for us. And so we need to follow him in that. And uh, distinguishing it is, is just acknowledging the tension that some people probably have not thought about in their own, in their own life. Um, and so questions is a great way to ask that or to like enter into the distinguishment uh, uh, part of, of, of teaching because it allows people to reflect on where maybe they've kind of come up against uh, the, the text and created some tension in their own life. Yeah, I love that. I, I want to shift gears into your journey as a preacher. One of the things that people ask a lot here at Preaching Donkey, and I'm sure you get asked this a lot in your work at Rookie Preacher, is how do I find my voice as a preacher? So when you think about your preaching journey, how did, how did you find your voice? What's the, the story there? Um, so I think the the struggle with finding your voice as a preacher is um, preaching is, is such a, a holistic thing. And what I mean by that is we don't get to just choose which version of ourselves or which part of ourselves gets to go into the pulpit. Uh, 
and and preach a message. Like we can maybe pull that off and like say, you know, I'm going to hide some of these insecurities. Uh, I'm going to try and like ignore them. Um, or like, I don't like this part about my personality. So I'm, I'm going to try and like leave that backstage and not bring it out. Um, but as we, as we grow as followers of Jesus, I think, and get more comfortable with who God has created us to be and how he's wired us, it allows us to be freed from the expectations we put on ourselves because we all have our favorite preachers, the ones who connect to us. And, and it's natural for us to kind of um, emulate them and kind of sound them, like them. And, and that's natural. And so like for, for my journey, um, I, I would say like personality tests have a place especially in trying to understand who we are. Um, not to say that any personality test is going to be uh, fully holistic and fully capture who you are um, because it's just not going to happen. Uh, and I know that I lost like half of your listeners because it's a personality test. Um, but the, the reality for each one of us is that we are unique, that each one of us has um, a true self and we have the self that we kind of portray to people. And uh, some of us are like chameleons uh, and, and we can kind of adjust how we talk when, when we, what we would say in certain situations, we all do this naturally. The, the struggle is when you're on stage uh, and everyone's looking at you, it's you, like you, you have to bring your whole self. So my journey was, um, just for a frame of reference, uh, Myers-Briggs, I'm an ENTJ, Enneagram, an eight-wing seven, okay? So the way I would always describe this before I had any other kind of way of describing it is I've got two modes. I've got uh, serious and intense mode, and I've got like goofy and fun mode. And those two modes don't always coincide together. (laughs) And for some reason in my preaching early on, I was very eight, uh, very intense in, in my preaching. Um, and so that came about with me kind of being less uh, relatable and, and less uh, relational in my preaching because I was just more like just straight to the point. This is how it is. If you disagree, then you're wrong. And, and, and it was kind of intense. And I think... I had a mentor uh, who was the lead pastor at the crossing where I was in Cincinnati uh, who knew me. So it's important to have people who know you, uh, who, who knew how I was wired and said, Hey, I, I just, I really don't think you're being your true self up there. Um, and, and at the beginning, like that was a hard thing to swallow because I'm like, what, what do you mean? Like I, I feel like these are pretty good sermons. I feel like I'm being myself. Like I don't feel like I'm being fake. And, and that's like, not only do we need to have people in our lives uh, who know us, but who have permission to speak into our lives and we being uh, humble and courageous enough to receive what they're saying um, and, and learn from it. So I really did a lot of reflection after that. It was uh, a really a major pivot point for me. So uh, one, a couple of things kind of were coinciding with this. I was getting more reps, which is super important. So if you don't get reps when you're preaching, then you're not going to be able to work out what your voice is because you have to find out who am I as a preacher um, and, and what does it look like for me to be myself 
the self that God's created me to be while I'm on stage preaching. Um, and so, you know, most of us don't have a frame of reference for that because we're the only person we are. Like we don't have a, a clone that we've gotten to observe, uh, have a hundred reps. I'm like, oh, that's how I am. No, that's, you just have to have reps. And so I was getting more reps and I had someone in my life who was willing to say, hey, I don't think you're really being your true self up there. And so uh, I really took that to heart. And what ended up happening is as I'm getting more reps, as I'm starting to realize, oh, I need to be a little bit more lighthearted at times because that opens the door for people to be receptive to when I'm giving them maybe a hard truth from, from God's word. Um, and so I started to lean into my humor a little bit more. I'm, I'm more of a witty person. I don't ever write jokes, but just jokes kind of come because I'm playing off of what I'm saying. And, and so I'm just being witty. That's my humor. Like I'm not the person, and I, I learned this by trial and error. I learned that I'm not the person to write a joke and like just have it, have it land in a normal kind of way. It, it just felt too forced. Uh, I, I realized I'm, I'm just more of a natural person to, to be kind of funny. And so uh, as I got more reps, I realized that about myself. And there was just a point where it just seemed to click. And, and I think that, you know, I think as Malcolm Gladwell talks about like the 10,000 hour rule, um, I think there's some truth to that. I don't know if it's exactly 10,000 hours, but um, because I was taking it upon myself to get more reps, um, because that, those reps weren't always happening on a Sunday morning in the church service, I started a podcast so that I could just get more reps and teaching God's word and preaching. Um, so I was preaching to my computer uh, and then posting it just to get more reps because I wanted to do that. Um, and so having someone in my life really made, uh, who, who knew me, I was willing to speak into that and new preaching was super important. Uh, and then it just clicked one day where I realized, okay, this is who I am and that's okay. I'm not Andy Stanley. I'm not Derwin Gray. I, I'm not, you know, feeling your favorite Matt Chandler or whatever. Like I'm not them, but I am me. And God would want me to be me because that's who he created me to be. And uh, the unique self that I bring, um, my personality, my uh, gift mix, uh, that is good enough to bring. Um, I want to always, I never want to be, you know, apathetic toward growing. I want to always grow. But at the end of the day, I'm going to bring myself and what God is doing in me, and that's okay. And so I think it's just a, a blend of maturity, a blend of reps, and a, a blend of just not just having reps, but being to having reps and then being willing to evaluate yourself um, and deconstruct why you preach the way you do um, and be willing to change. Um, so... I don't know if that's a full-fledged recipe, but that was my experience and it's, it's made such a world of difference. I feel like I can be my normal self and uh, make fun of myself that I am myself uh, with, with my congregation. Like, hey, I know that some of y'all, half of y'all, most of y'all probably think I'm crazy and that's okay. Like, this is just... Cause I, 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 you're right, I am. <laughs> exactly, like I agree. Have you ever had a moment where you just wanted to break from yourself? Yeah, me too. But guess what? The person you can't get away from is you. Yeah. <laughs> and so that, that's, uh, 
Yeah. That's, you that know, was my, my journey. I, I love that. And I think you're, you're very fortunate to have someone in your life who was honest with you because I feel like for one thing there, you're so right about the reps because there's so many things. And this is what I tell, that's what I tell preachers who are frustrated about trying to find their voice, which by the way, for people who are asking that question, they're far ahead of, of a oh. lot of preachers because they're at least trying. But there's so many unnatural things about preaching. If you think about it, it's public speaking, which is most people's biggest fear, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so you're trying to be yourself and find your voice doing one of the most uncomfortable things that a human being can do. Stand up on a stage in a very vulnerable way in front of a pack of people <laughs> that can just devour you. At you. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so that's awesome that you were able to do that. And, I, and you know what? I, I've, I've, seen, um, I've seen that play out in a lot of, a lot of preachers where, and, and I think honestly, when I, I, I don't think I realized it until I started to get enough time and distance between young preacher and now where I look back at some of those initial videos of me preaching and I think, I don't know who this person is, but I don't like him, (laughs) you know, Um, (laughs) because I was either trying to be somebody else, you know, or, uh, or it was like, okay, intense mode or this or that. And yeah, the more I can, you know, Paul told Timothy fulfill your ministry. And I think there's something, there's something very powerful about that. When we, when we fulfill the ministry that God gave us, and not the ministry that God gave Matt Chandler, because we're going to stink at that. Like he, he's got to do that. We can't do that. Yeah. Um, this has been really awesome. I, I want to end uh, our discussion with a little bit of encouragement and maybe, maybe just people knowing that someone else is struggling as well. 2020 has been a very challenging year with the pandemic uh, and everything else going on. What are some challenges that you have experienced this year whether church-related, personal, or all of the above, and how have you dealt with them, and what advice would you give to those who are struggling right now? Well, um, every pastor I talk to uh, can can relate to the the stress and uh, all of the the things that seem to be happening in our in our in our hearts and our souls uh, in our bodies uh, as we're leading through what, what some have called who have been in ministry far longer than I, um, the, the hardest year of ministry they've ever had. And whether that's recency bias or if it's true, um, it doesn't change the way we feel. Right. And so, um, I would, I would, I would guess, uh, uh, leading through a global pandemic and all of the unique decisions we've had to make, um, so quickly and so, um, rapidly has, created a really difficult year. Like my experience has been, um, you know, like part of a lot of us are probably on some level mourning the momentum we really felt like we had leading into 2020. Like that's certainly for me, um, really felt like we had some really great momentum coming out of 2019 and heading into 2020. Now I didn't make the mistake of preaching like a 2020 vision sermon for a series. Uh, so I didn't have that struggle, um, but I certainly had that in my mind. Right. And so, um, I'd say for me, um, decision fatigue I, I learned is real. Um, just being so tired uh, from making decisions constantly. That was real. Um, the stages of grief are things that we should probably be familiar with because we're all probably in them 
uh, and at various stages and probably bouncing around uh, them all uh, on a constant basis, depending on the week. Um, I, I've, I've had some moments where I've been pondering, is this really what I want to do? Um, man, I could, I could, uh, it'd be much easier if I were doing X, Y, Z. Um, and so if I were like sitting across the table, uh, with, with another pastor who just was feeling the same things I'm feeling, I'd encourage them to, to, to do some of the things I've tried to do. And that, uh, is, uh, recognizing what is in, in me. Um, I, I've recently in the last month or so started experiencing what I would call brain fog. And as someone who is, is, uh, I like to be creative and I like to have a sharp mind. That's really frustrating. And so I started looking that up and, you know, it's, it's Google, WebMD, whatever. Um, it didn't say I was dying, but uh, going to say it, you probably it, are going to die if you read. Yeah, it's like you're probably you're probably already dead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, they, they talked about how it, it was stress, and um, it's probably a form. It really is a form of anxiety. I'm like, yeah, that probably makes sense. Um, so, first thing is just to recognize, that, hey, um, this has been hard, and it's okay if you don't have everything figured out. That that's been one of the most frustrating things for me is because I try to learn as much as I can. I like to try and stay ahead of things and um, make sure that I'm approaching things with intentionality and with, with a, a strategy, um, learn from people who have gone before me. But guess what? Uh, there have not been anybody who is alive right now who led through the last global pandemic. Um, and so there's, there's no great manual for it. And so um, it's okay that we don't have everything figured out. And I know that there are people looking at us for um, guidance and direction. And sometimes it's okay to say right now, I'm just not sure uh, because we're not God. Um, and he's the one who does know the right, the right direction. And so we need to spend some more time with him. Um, some of the things I've started to do is I've been uh, continuing to be diligent about um, taking vacation. Uh, you know, with Rookie Preacher, I have a Facebook group of, of pastors and um, at various times throughout this pandemic, I've, I've asked, hey, have you taken some time off or I'd left a poll or whatever? And it was, it was crazy to me the amount of pastors who throughout all this, for whatever reason, I'm sure there's various reasons, have not taken any time off. And um, not that time off is going to solve all the issues, but time off is needed. And so um, if you don't have vacation, like, ask your leaders for some vacation time. Um, if you've used all of it up and you feel like you need some more time, then ask your leaders, say, hey, be honest with them um, and say, hey, this has been tough. I feel run down, beat down, whatever it is. Um, I've started to get my uh, reading habits back up because I realized that outside of like prep work for sermons, I was having a hard time um, getting in the amount of like extra reading that I would like to, because I really am, you know, convinced that reading widely is really important as, as pastors. Um, and then I took, took on, I actually followed the advice I had been given myself for the last two years and that is to go see a counselor. And so I recently started that and started to go into counseling and, um, it just took a global pandemic, social unrest, and ever-evolving leadership challenges for me to actually listen to my own advice to myself. <laughs> you know, so I'm a little hard-headed. 
Um, but I, I'm, I'm excited for some of the changes that I've been making. Um, and I'm finding from people who have gone before me that, um, you know, having, having a disciplined and, and healthy rhythm to the time on um, is much more beneficial than just trying to get more time off because, you know, a week after your vacation time, you're going to be right where you left off uh, if you don't make some changes. And so uh, the counseling has been helpful. It's with a, a guy who used to be in ministry uh, in a church, you know, as a pastor. And uh, so kind of gets the uh, uniqueness of what my world is like. Um, so I would, I would just advocate for pastors who are dealing with what this is, is if you want to make it for the long haul, which I do, um, recognize what is happening in you and, and don't see it as like a form of weakness to admit that you're struggling. Um, because really the people who ignore the, 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 the struggle that they're in will wake up one day and they've lost the battle because they never tried to fight it. And it takes much more strength to admit that you're struggling to have those relationships with your leader or the, those conversations with your leaders where you're willing to say, Hey, um, you know, maybe you don't have money for counseling. So you say, Hey, I, I really need this. Um, I need some help. Um, and, and to just be vulnerable, um, with the people you get to do ministry with. And, um, you know, it, people need to see that they need to see us and, and the way we lead right now, like I'm so excited lane, um, not necessarily for all of this to be done, but I'm excited, at least in this moment, <laughs> I'm excited to, to find out how much this period of time in our lives is going to um, make me into a better leader, uh, a better follower of Jesus, um, a, a better husband and father, um, because God tends to grow us through brokenness. And that's been the story of my life that, um, because of the brokenness I've had in my life and the the struggles, God did something so good and so deep in those struggles that probably wouldn't have been uh, at me as as open to it if I hadn't gone through those things. So I believe I'm uh, at a place, and all of us are have the potential to be in a place where, and God could do some really great things in our lives and our ministries if we just continue to. Um, be faithful, but I know like the the criticisms in this season they hurt more than they normally do um, we 're fatigued we 're tired, and we tend to take take things more personal when we 're in that spot um, but you know just recognizing that in ourselves would would get us on a on a journey um, to health um, and, and that 's what my hope and prayer is for myself that at the end of this thing i don 't end up being more pessimistic and bitter toward people than I am now. <laughs> Uh, that I would actually grow in my empathy and compassion for them um, throughout all this, even though I'm taking hits. But uh, one thing has been encouraging to me. Uh, some people may like this. Uh, I, I love the Rocky movies, uh, Sylvester Stallone. And uh, in the Rocky Balboa movie where he's older and he's got a son, uh, they're outside and he tells them, hey, this, this life will beat you down if you let it but it's not a matter of how hard you can hit. It's a matter of how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. And, and I was like, wow, that's, that's really encouraging. Is that in the Bible? I wonder if, if that's somewhere. And I was like, well, actually, yeah. Uh, Cause scripture talks about how suffering produces character and character produces hope. And so um, 
I know that there are a lot of pastors who are in the, who are listening to me right now, who are hurting, who are um, taking some hits, but um, God's with you. And um, there are people in your life who care. um, And there are people who have your back, even if they don't always say it. Um, And so just keep, keep going, keep taking the next step and, and make sure that you recognize the, the struggle in yourself and be willing to talk about it with others. Um, because Satan wants you to keep that in the dark. Um, he doesn't want you to bring it to the light because he knows that you'll be able to experience healing when you do. Um, so take it there. And that's what I'm trying to do throughout all this. Wow. Well, thank you for that. That's really encouraging. And I know it's going to encourage so many pastors listening who are also going through very difficult times. And I appreciate your transparency. I think, you know, one of the things I've always liked about you and our friendship is that you are willing to say the thing that most people are thinking but won't say. Um, and I think people, we can derive a lot of encouragement from that. And I'm, I'm with you on the counseling, my friend. It, it is so vital. One of the things um, that my church does is we pay for counseling for any staff person and their spouse so we, we've, we've always taken great advantage of that. And, um, and it's, it has been really life-changing for our staff to be able to take advantage of that. So, man, um, this has been really awesome. I know it's been really helpful to those who have listened. And one of the things as we're wrapping up that I'm so excited about is that, number one, it was awesome to have you as the very first guest here on the Preaching Donkey podcast. So congrats. Hopefully, this is the first time of many times that you'll be on the show. Uh, but you and I are going to finally partner on something for, uh, to, to provide a resource for pastors. So we're kind of taking Preaching Donkey and Rookie Preacher, and we're just slamming them together. <laughs> and uh, it, it's going to make this a beautiful resource uh, for pastors. And I'm not going to share a whole lot. I kind of want to just be mysterious about it a little bit, but it's going to be something. It's going to be cooler than anything else we've ever done. I think it's going to be more helpful than anything else we've ever done. And uh, I think it's going to serve a very specific need that especially right now in this season, pastors are really going to be able to respond to in a huge way. And we're going to be talking more about that in the next few weeks. So I just want to kind of put that out there so people can be wondering what it is and excited about it. You have anything to add to that? I'm I'm super excited. You know, it's it's been uh, a, a blessing to be able to you know get to know each other from from a distance, but also just uh, be able to interact and and know how aligned we are in what we sense God's call is on our lives. Um, not just serving God's church and and His people, you know, generally, but also serving pastors and and helping them thrive in their in their preaching and their leadership. And so. Uh, it's it's going to be awesome. I'm super pumped about it. Um, and uh, yeah, people need to be uh, stay tuned for it because um, I, I really do believe that it's going to be something that can um, help people uh, as as they are leading and preaching through um, you know what what our day and time is. And uh, you know if if any of you are like us, and I think you are because you're listening to this. Uh, if you're engaged with what Lane is doing, you are a, a pastor who wants to grow. And uh, we are going to uh, be able to partner together to, to be able to give you another opportunity to grow even more. And I'm, I'm just pumped about it. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Brandon Kelly, thank you so much for uh, coming on today. Appreciate it. Thanks, Lane.
Well, what a great interview with Brandon. It was so awesome to have him on. Big shout out to him. Definitely check out RookiePreacher.com and check him out on Twitter at Brandon Kelly underscore. That's at Brandon Kelly underscore. So, you know, there's so much from that interview that stands out to me. And there's so much from that interview that's so powerful. But I, more than anything, I just love the transparency. I love that you've got a guy who teaches and trains hundreds of pastors in addition to doing what he does as a pastor in the trenches. And he's willing and ready to be vulnerable and say, this has been rough for me. So I hope that's an encouragement to you if, as you're on your journey, as you're leading, and I know we've got people listening and watching from all different perspectives and all different experience levels and all different contexts, but one thing we can get from that is that we don't have to always, or or we don't have to ever <laughs> act like we just have it all together because in, in none of us do. And when we act like that, what it does is it kind of signals to other people, it's not okay to be vulnerable and it's not okay to be honest. And I think what we saw with Brandon today in this interview is that you can be open, you can be honest, you can be transparent. If you're struggling, you can say it. And one of the goals I have for Preaching Donkey and this community that is that is that we can be a place where it's okay to struggle and it's okay to say, you know what, this has been rough for me. And, and I don't know what to do, or I, I don't know what to do in this situation, or I don't know how to handle this person. And that's okay. And, and I think that this is going to be a place, and I hope that every single week, this podcast is, a, is, is something that when it comes up in your podcast player, whichever one you use, or when it pops up on YouTube, I want it to be something that you say, gosh, I got to listen to that because that's going to be so encouraging. It's going to be helpful. It's gonna, it's gonna kind of hit me right where I am this week. Um, that would be awesome. I'd be honored if that were the case. So thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening again, please leave a review, give a like, subscribe if you if you haven't yet to the podcast. Whether subscribe on the YouTube channel or subscribe on your podcast player, I would appreciate that so much. Thank you again. And until next time, remember if God can speak through a donkey. He can speak through you and he can speak through me. We'll see you next time here at the Preaching Donkey Podcast for episode two.